It ain't that simple, mate. Hello and welcome to It Ain't That Simple, Mate, the Bright Hope World podcast. I'm Fraser Scott here with Kevin Honoré. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Yeah, doing well, Fraser. How are you, man? I'm very, very well and excited to talk about this subject today. Uh, a little bit different than uh, some of the recent podcasts we have done. On this one, we are talking about the role of the church in poverty. Now, this is this is a big subject. This is something that goes back uh, a long time, and it's something I've actually been reading about. Uh, but Kev, looking at okay. uh, particularly in the in the context of COVID, which in October 2020 is still very much an active subject. Looking back at uh, how the church was involved in in plagues of old, going going mm. right back into the early days of the church, and there does seem to be uh, an historical connection between. Uh, poverty and the church responding and the church growing as a result of of how it uh, ministers to poverty. So I'm really interested to uh, unpack this a little bit, talk about how the church uh, should respond uh, to poverty, how the church can take action and, and make a difference, and and see uh, its numbers swell and see you know people come uh, to know God and and to be reconciled with families and all that sort of thing as part of that. But let's um, let's kick off, Kev, in, in terms of some of the stuff we've talked about already, we've said that poverty is really around relationships. Yeah, yeah. Is that where the church begins? Is that where uh, the church needs to be focused in addressing poverty? Is on restoring relationships? Is that is that its focus point? Well, I think you know you don't have to look too far into into the life of Jesus and then the particularly the life of the early church to to see that the church and Jesus were, were living in, in that kind of context. And so, you know, one of the things we do in the West, we, we tend to make this kind of split between what's secular and spiritual and what's uh, what's gospel and poverty and or, or social activity. And there's this, this dichotomy that, that goes on. But for, for people back in the day, and in many cultures today, that doesn't exist. It's it's an all of life thing. And I think one of the issues we have to get our heads around in the West is is this that you know every part of life is integrated. And, and so when we come and we say you know that poverty is not just about economics, it's about relationships. It's about our relationship with God, our relationship with people, our relationship with the earth, our relationship with ourselves. That whole integrated package is is what we are as humans. It's all of that stuff. So is is there too much of a separation between you know the church that we go to on Sunday and Wednesday nights? And the rest of life, have we we've sort of separated all this out too much? Kept you know one too much from the other? Yeah, I, th- I think yes, very much so. It's it's part of our now Western kind of uh, individualism, where and we we can make these these decisions about whether I'm going to be doing church today or or not. Churches. Churches or Christian faith is a lifestyle. It's not something you do. It's something you are, and so. You know, you you just can't separate those things and, and and be, I think, a genuine Christ follower. You, you've just got to be involved in every aspect of of all of these things all the time. So one of the things I read in that space is it's not a question of um, you know should the church address poverty. It's rather if the church is not addressing poverty, is it the church? Is that is that what you're saying? If if there's poverty in the community, the church has to address it because it's in their community. Well, yeah, I mean, it's part of the brokenness of our society, and and that's where the church goes. I mean, you know, the, I think the role of the church is, you know, if if you look 
you know, what Jesus said in, in Matthew 28 is, you know, go and make disciples of all nations. If, if you are out there, if you are genuinely going, you'll find yourself amongst the poor. It's inevitable that that's where you'll end up because for some reason the gospel is very attractive to the poor. Let's, I want to, to explore that a little bit more because I've heard that before and, and I really like that idea. Someone I was listening to, it might have been Tim Keller actually, said that the reason is, you know, we we who are wealthy and influential to, to the degree that we are, you, you come complete. You come with a sense of, I've got it together. I don't have a huge amount of need. And so the gospel then asks so much of us in, in laying that, that stuff down. Whereas to the poor, where they come and they, you know, surrender what they have and who they are, it's it's a more attractive proposition. Is that, is that what you're getting at there? Yeah, that's a, um, a big part of it. I mean, when people are self-contained and they feel like they don't need anything, they've got no needs. You know, they uh, they tend to even mock this. You know, they, they talk about Christianity being a crutch and all, and all that kind of stuff. It's like there's a, a fair degree of arrogance that comes from that individualistic way of thinking about you know being self-made and I'm in control of my life and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the poor know that, you know, I'm talking about the economically poor, they know that they aren't in control of their lives. They know that they need a crutch. And frankly, you know, if, if we keep going back to that defini- definition of poverty as being, you know, those, those, those broken relationships, you know, our Western arrogance uh, that doesn't define it that way and just sees it in economic terms, uh, totally overlooks the fact that we are broken. And and the problem isn't out there. The problem's within. It's within all of us, and we're all broken. We're all messed up. We all need to have relationship with God restored, and on the basis of that, all those other relationships restored and and, um, and transformed well, as well. I think it's, it is convenient, isn't it, to define poverty in economic terms because then it's a it's a more of a them thing it's an out there thing. thing and and for us westerners it's it's other people doesn't it doesn't That's affect right. us um, whereas if if you define poverty in terms of of those broken dysfunctional relationships then if you look at our rates of depression anxiety self-harm among our young people suicide then you realize actually in terms of poverty ooh, we're not doing that great no, we're as broken and as messed up and as poor as anyone we go to, if if not more so, mm. and and then I guess you've got a, a demand on the church, if I can use such a strong word, to say, look, you need to be in the space, and and is this not, um, you know, what Jesus commanded us to do um, in terms of the ministry of reconciliation, that that is our role. Uh, or at least in part, to bring those relationships back into harmony, to help people to see God and, and themselves and their community and creation in appropriate terms. Is that not what the church needs to be doing in their in their communities? Oh, absolutely. I think it is. There's no. I don't. I, I don't see any 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 doubt that that's what what we're here for to to be reconcilers. I mean, you know, really, to, it's it's worth you know looking at some of the biblical. Kind of context for this, okay. Uh, and, and when you referred to, you know, Second Corinthians five and the ministry of reconciliation, there, where, where, you know, you know Paul was talking there in Second uh, Corinthians five and saying, you know, you know, we have been given the 
message of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ Jesus. And we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And and so, those, you know, when you put those two two things together in, in the context of brokenness and dysfunction and the separation that's that's going on, you know, that, that has to apply in all, in all aspects of, of people's lives. And, you know, going back to those those four foundations that we talked about, the those those um, those areas of poverty. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, embedded in the mandate of the church is this this reconciling message and ministry that that we we are obligated to to get involved in. We we, we don't have an option. What else do you see? You know, from a scriptural perspective, let's form that foundation. I mean, the ministry of reconciliation is obviously a big one. What else? What else? You know, within the canon of scripture, really points us back towards addressing poverty. Well, I, I love you know the Book of Acts is, is really just a, an activist handbook, and, uh, and and it's not very long you know before you get into the the Book of Acts that you see the the local church, the early church, just uh, you know addressing these issues. And in fact, poverty was becoming an issue. You get to Acts chapter. Chapter four, and you find there that the you know people are selling property, they're sharing stuff with with each other, and and in Acts chapter two, and 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 there's this uh, this uh, this sharing that's going on that that is is very compelling, and that and that as they as they did that, it says you know the church grew, and it's really interesting as you track through the the, the book of Acts that that uh, you know there, there are a series of 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 comments that say that and the church grew in numbers and and uh, and and when you look at the reason why nearly every time it's related to something they did related to poverty, mm-hmm. so you go to Acts chapter six, you know, and the story about the the, the widows that were were crowding into the church and and the the apostles were starting to get bogged down by dealing with this stuff. And uh, they had to then appoint another group of people to look after the poor. You know, I, I taught on this that passage quite recently, and one of the the real nuances in it, you know, it very conveniently sort of highlights the Bright Hope World model in a way, which is all of the people that they appointed to look after these Greek-speaking widows were themselves Greek-speaking people. These were yeah, these were totally. essentially one you know one sub-community being appointed to, to look after that community. Own, they weren't imposing own, something from yeah, the outside. Yeah, from outside. It was their own people that they were they were selecting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then it says, you know, once they solved that issue, the church grew in numbers. And and it says even a whole bunch of the priests became followers. And so the impact of dealing with the the poor in a just and fair and uh, you know really positive way was that wow, even the the people who were most opposed to the Christian message were just won over by it. And so uh, there's something very attractive when 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 the good and, and when the good news is is being lived out in that kind of way and and so you go you know you track through church history and you'll see that time and time again where you know the, the early Christians when when the plagues went through they they were the ones that got involved many of them died in the process of caring for people and and we could you know go, spend a lot of time talking about all those but we, well, we I, won't. I mean I think that legacy that um, uh, you know that track record the church has in that space. You know, going right back to the early church, going through the the plagues, where as the um, you know as people streamed out of the cities that were affected by the plague, the the Christians were streaming in to care for people, often at the cost of their lives. 
uh, and, and, you know, as, as in Roman society, you know, unwanted babies were put out to die of yeah, exposure. Yeah. The Christians would take them into their homes. So there is the sense that the growth of the church, its identity, uh, its, its distinction from those around it is based on addressing these issues. And, you know, that tracks right up through history. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems to be, dare I say it, a, a not optional aspect of the identity of the church. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. There's a really interesting little little bunch of verses in the book of uh, Galatians where Paul talks about the time he went to visit the uh, the apostles, the pillars of the church, he calls them, and uh, they were having a big discussion about the the role, you know, the the relationship between the Gentiles and the Jewish Christians as they were coming into the church, and uh, and Paul um, talks about that, and he, and he refers to the fact that the the apostles were said to him, you know, you go out, you're the apostle to the Gentiles, you go out there, but make sure you care for the poor. And then he makes a little phrase, he says, something I was very happy to do. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it was it was very much on the agenda or in the mind of the people that, that caring for the poor was at the heart of of what what Christian faith was about. And um and so even the apostles were were uh, you know aware of this and, and saw the value and, and the importance of it all. Is it worth saying here that no other you know faith or worldview at this time and for some time afterwards had any aspect of caring to, to uh, for the poor as part of it? That's just this is completely revolutionary at this time to focus any time or attention on the poor. Oh yeah, totally. I mean. And, and that's that's the nature of the, I guess, the upside down value system that the kingdom of God is. You know, the, in in cultures, and and I think probably in most cultures, um, you know, whether they're ancient or, or or modern, you know, power is the thing that drives it, and getting to the top and being successful and all that sort of stuff, and and you do that by controlling people. Where the, the values that we're talking about here are, are the exact opposite. You, you know, you have influence by serving people. You know, the, the greatest amongst you will be the servant of all. You know, uh, you know Christ did not come to serve, uh, to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And, and so it's that upside down nature of these values that uh, that, that create the difference. That, that that I guess are the at the heart of all of this stuff and and so that's why you know your your how and why you help is an outflow of of a of a set of values and and, and a theology at the end of the day and, and it's really important that we understand that so we, we we cannot fall into the trap of just preaching at people and expecting that the you know that's that's our obligation done we just have to go and get involved and 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 as Jesus did give give our lives in the, in the same kind of way and and then that's just the way it is. And there's another bunch of verses in Colossians chapter one which talk about this and it talks about how Jesus' death brought peace in all things. That all things being in heaven and on earth, if you look at, at, at the context of that. So, so the the central point of cosmic history <laughs> was the, was the death of Jesus, and and, and that death. Uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, uh, is really the foundation of the introduction of shalom into the world. Now, that, that idea of shalom or salam in, in the Arabic, and, and, and which you know we interpret as peace, is a really important underst- underpinning kind of 
kind of thing that we need to we need to get our heads around is that the death of Jesus brings peace peace that won't be realized in, in, in our lives or and not until until the kingdom of God is established here but 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 that peace is all about restoring things to their rightful place when everything is as it should be mm. you know and so all of those areas of poverty that we've talked about are actually dealt with in the cross or in the gospel if you want to extend it out and so that's that's what the gospel is it's not Oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. Put your hand up. I believe it's not. That's not the. That's not the gospel. That's one aspect of the gospel. Uh, the gospel is the whole activity of God here. Everything on earth. being reconciled and put into Every, its proper yeah, order. And that's, yeah, and that's that's the way it will be. And so now, as 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 kingdom people, that that's our our mandate. That's our our um, our sphere of influence and operation. We we just get involved in, in whatever's going on for God, wherever it is, and 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 that will be in some cases creation care. In some cases, it will be uh, dealing with with some of the, the 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 big issues that are going on. But but inevitably, it will be the poor that see this and grab hold of this and and just love it and, and take it in. And so with that in mind, with that undeniable mandate and uh, and command and direction and opportunity and privilege of doing all of this stuff, uh, and we'll, we'll take a break in a, in a moment and come back and talk about what it looks like in a modern context. But what's gone wrong? What you know, It, it would be fair to say that uh, in the Western church at least, and, and one can't generalise because we know that there's some, some fantastic local congregations doing some wonderful things in this space, but this this often does not typify what the church is doing. What has gone wrong? What have we lost, and, and why? Wow, that's a that's a question. I'm not sure I can answer, Fraser, or even even <laughs> scratch the surface of. I mean, is this? I mean, but has it been a slow, progressive thing where little by little we've let go of our responsibility and and maybe given that to you know, the government, hey, look, you know, the social welfare or this agency or that agency can take care of it? Or is this more of a, hey, the war hit and that changed everything? Is this a, is this a sudden change or is this a slow change? I think there's probably a little bit of both there, but I think it is gradual. I mean, it, you know, you look at the at the early church as it, it had, you know, it grew, it had influence, and, and within 300 years it had kind of defeated Rome. Yeah, um, lost its way a little. Yeah. And then it became part of the mainstream, and that was the problem. Uh, I think, you know, the church is most effective when it's a a radical group that's that's living a different kind of lifestyle, um, that isn't in a in a sense part of the mainstream. It, it's it's able to 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 just be and 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 be you know what it's what it's called to be and as soon as it becomes part of the mainstream and it becomes you know legitimized and everybody wants to join because that's that's the place to be that's you know the, that's where all the important people end up then it gets overwhelmed by by that that power and 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 so there is i i mean i i think that's interesting because you know, there, there was some uh, a recent research project done in New Zealand looking at the the you know where the church is and its its place and how it's regarded. And really interestingly, something like I, I forget seventy or eighty percent of the population looked to the church to solve these problems. There was a it was a surprisingly high number where you know society says, "Hey, look, that's what's good about the church. We might have some issues with it, 
But what's really good is it goes out and does these things. And that's the external view. Whereas I wonder whether the internal view is, oh, no, that's not our responsibility. That's that's the government. That's whatever agency. is. is are we actually setting the bar for ourselves lower than the rest of the world is setting for us? Yeah, possibly. Um, I don't know. I think, I think, you know, within, in a sense, within modern evangelical Christian faith, there's there's been this kind of dichotomy between the or the split between the the real work of the church, which is preaching and teaching and and all that kind of stuff, and the and a fair degree of suspicion towards those who are doing the social stuff, uh, and 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 I think that that's a trend that has influenced evangelical so churches. We, you think the think the evangelical churches sort of backpedaled and said, right, if they're going to do that. Then we won't. I think, yes, to some degree, and 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 we would even if we did do stuff, we did it with another agenda. It was always to get them saved, and and okay, we we want to see people becoming followers of Jesus. That's that's bottom line stuff. But you don't do that by standing on a street corner and shouting at people through a megaphone. You know, you do that by by getting involved in their lives and 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 genuinely caring for people. And I think that's where you know the church has been good at running programs. But how good has it at being, you know, becoming really close friends with the community and 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 those that are that are hurting, that are on the margins? Uh, we we've tended to leave that to the kind of rescue agencies, you know, the the Salvation Armies, the um, and and of course the other issue we have in New Zealand is is, is the social welfare thing and, and it's like we've been pushed out of that space to some degree um, and let it happen. Alright, Kev, let's take a, a little break there and when we come back we'll explore a little bit more about you know where the church can actually step forward into the space, what that might look like, uh, what sort of mindset issues we might need to tackle uh, and then maybe we'll have a look at uh, the church outside the West and, and see what we can learn from that. Uh, We will be right back after this break on It Ain't That Simple Mate. It Ain't That Simple Mate is brought to you by Lamai Coffee. Lamai Coffee is the finest quality organic Arabica coffee from the northern hills of Thailand. We at Bright Hope World import the green beans into New Zealand and we roast them to perfection, then sell them to discerning coffee drinkers. We're all volunteers on the team, so all the profits go back into great community projects in Thailand and that is why we call it the world's best tasting act of kindness. You can order Lamai coffee or find out more at lamai.co.nz. It ain't that simple, mate. Welcome back to It Ain't That Simple Mate, the Bright Hope World podcast. I'm Fraser Scott here with Kevin Honoré. And today we are talking about the role of the church in poverty. Uh, We have been talking about some of the history of this, some of the mandate that the church has from Scripture uh, in addressing poverty. So let's bring it right up, uh, Kev, to the the modern era and and look at the, the potential role of the church right now. Because it would be fair to say if we go back in history... You don't have social welfare, you don't have a state, you don't have uh, some of the organisations out there like you know, Red Cross and 
and Bernardo's and, and these other organisations that are addressing these sorts of issues, isn't it just a case of letting them get on with their job, recognising that the world has changed? Or does the church have something that no one else can bring to the table in terms of addressing poverty? <laughs> wow. That's, you, you dumped me in here. I, I ask the hard questions. You've you got to do all the heavy lifting in this thing, Keith. <laughs> well, the answer to that is simply, yes, we do have something different. We have a whole different way of looking at the issues. It'd be interesting to know if you were to go out in our, our, you know, out on the street here now and ask you know, average people, what's the core issue, the core problem that's facing our, our society today in terms of you know, you mentioned before you know, mental health issues and and all of the ills that are in our society. It would be really interesting to canvas that. I don't even know what what our society says is 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 the core issue. What are the problems? Where, where is the what's causing all this to happen? I, I don't think I don't hear anybody. We're in a you know in the coming up to an election. I don't hear any politicians talking about. What are the, what's the core here that we're, we're grappling with? What's the main issue? Well, I think what I hear is that it's externalised. It's inequality, uh, which is fixed primarily by some form of taxation, but it's external. If you distribute the resources, then all of the problems around poverty, and presumably by extension, domestic violence and, and alcohol abuse and all of those sort of things that, that for which there is a correlation with poverty, that they will they'll fix themselves. Yeah, and so so the solutions are always manipulating the externals, but we've never really clearly identified the the core. And and so when the church comes along, you know, with a can I put it this way, a, a gospel mandate, it's saying the problem is this: it's the broken relationship that people have with God first of all, which is the cause of all of these other broken relationships. And so, so that's where the church is different now, in terms of the way it approaches the whole, the whole issue. And and unless you, you're willing to to acknowledge that this is not just an external thing; it's an internal thing as well. And and you're willing to deal with that stuff. Everything else you do will just be band aids. It will just be, it will be just dealing with the symptoms, not with the cause of the problem. And so I think you know. And, and this is where the church hasn't been good at, I think, at saying this in ways that people are hearing. Firstly, we're not listening to what people are saying and the cries of their heart. So we're not responding at the right level. We're preaching this this loud, noisy, aggressive kind of gospel thing to people who are, you know, desperately hurting. And, and they don't need a... They don't need to be hearing a megaphone. They need somebody who's so close that they can hear them when they're whispering, you know, kind of thing. And we're not close enough. We're far too far away. And and, and I think that's why we, we, we've just got to get serious about, about engaging with people, listening to their stories, hearing what their, their cry is, understanding their burden, and going the journey with them. Is there an issue here of, you know, our cup not running over, if you like? Is is the problem that people within the church are not doing terribly well? So their, their overflow of compassion for people who are in poverty, who are in difficult circumstances, is just not there. Do, do we need to build up our resilience internally before we're any any good for the rest of the world? Is that the problem? Well, perhaps. I mean, I think it's it's more we've become very self-absorbed mm. and our needs are, 
you know, pretty pressing and immediate and right here, right now. But it's really interesting, you know, you go back even like we were, we were before, back into the book of Acts. Um, you know, people, you know, go to Second Corinthians 5, people gave out of their poverty because, first of all, they had given themselves to Christ. And so you don't have to be economically rich to be able to do ministry in, in these areas of poverty. Even economically, you can share what you have. And so, yeah, I think there's, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there that 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 we have to get seriously uh, serious about addressing if we're, you know, wanting to be authentic Christ followers. So maybe we need to stop looking internally so much and and actually just get out there and do it. I mean, you know, I think many people would tell you in ministry, you know, when you are struggling, you you're dealing with your own issues, but you step out and minister to others, often those things tend to recede a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So it's in the going that, that our issues are, are being able to be addressed as well. We don't have to have it, have it all sorted out before we go. We, we, we go, and as we're going, we, we are, you know, as it said in, in Matthew 28, as you go, disciple people. You know, do that and 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 then in that process it comes back to you as well your issues are solved uh, being addressed and they're going uh, because there's a mutuality of, of uh, going on when it comes to, to effective ministry it's not all just one-way stuff you get blessing from from blessing others you know there's that, that sort of stuff happens and I think we've been too guilty of hoarding up you know, all about the spiritual resources that we have and taking them into a building on a Sunday or a Wednesday or whatever and running around in circles in there and then leaving it all there and going back out again and and not not engaging with that until we go back into the building again. You know, it's it's an all of life thing, this 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 faith thing, this 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 um, this Christian journey, this it's a lifestyle. It's, it's not a, a bunch of activities. And I think we've been we've been trapped into in the West. And you know, the, the Christian faith is about a series of events we attend. We a- activities, even, yeah, yeah, activity orientated. And unfortunately, uh, many parts of you know many other parts of the world are influenced by that because they see it happening on TV and they're mimicking, they're mimicking that. And it's oh a whole bunch of inappropriate stuff. You know, It's inappropriate in our culture, I think, but it's even more inappropriate in a lot of other places. Um, so let's, let's divert our eyes in a little bit because we, we are both exposed uh, to what the church outside of the West is doing and, and while it has its own uh, problems – uh, it would probably be our viewers, you know, they're, they're maybe in some places doing better than the West in addressing poverty. W- what are they doing, Kev? Where we see this going well, where we we look and we see the church really engage with the poor in its community, why, what does it look like? What are they doing differently? What are they thinking differently? Wow. Um, I got an email, you know, what was actually on, on Facebook a couple of days ago from one of our partners in Pakistan. And, uh, you know, when you hear, you know, Pakistan, you think, oh, that's a tough place to do ministry. But here they are out in the stream baptizing 10, 10 young people who've just become Christians. Now, that that uh, decision that those young people have made is, is entirely radical. The church... And dangerous. And dangerous. Now the church has to become their family. 
because they don't have a family anymore. Within the context of their biological families, they don't have uh, the you know these are ten women, young women, uh, all in their probably you know below twenty five. They don't have the opportunity within their biological families to get married now. The you know they they've been tossed out, been put on the rubbish heap by by their by their culture. So 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 what the church has to be willing to be they become the family for these people, and it's a it's a total wraparound kind of thing that happens. So, so they they're involved in their in their education. They're involved in their finding marriage partners for them. And, Training them and finding them jobs, um, you know, the, the whole that wraparound thing that the church is able to become, and and and, and you know, I think even here where where churches are really engaging their communities, that's the sort of stuff that's happening. There's this sense of the church being a community, and it's always been that way. I mean, we started in the Book of Acts. I mean, that's the way it was. Um, and, and unless we are. Uh, like that, I think I think the church will always be at a distance and and um, it's thought of as irrelevant. And and you know in our culture now, not just irrelevant, we're actually part of the problem. <laughs> but but there's that degree of oh, you, that's just them, a bunch of crazies over there on the side. Let's just get on, move on without them. Isn't it ironic though that? Uh, you know, at least in in Christchurch in in New Zealand, you, one of the recognised problems that is is just just massive and damaging is loneliness is a whole bunch of people that aren't connected to anyone and here we are and and we have this community and you know we're we're in a perfect situation to connect with that yet I'm not really aware of that happening to any great extent anywhere is I mean is that is that a a problem elsewhere Are, are churches elsewhere successfully stepping into that kind of space yeah absolutely I mean you know in most places where the church is a minority where they're working amongst the poor, uh, they don't have the option of just running a program and and going home and not coming back you know, until a week later. It's just, it's just it doesn't work like that. You know, it's, it's really funny that we're coming up to election. You know, we've just been through COVID, and the politician, you know, our, our prime minister is her big message is be kind. That's a Christian message. It's not a political message. <laughs> no, we own that thing because you know our, our history is. That that's it's a fruit of the spirit. Actually, I think you'll find that Ellen DeGeneres has that one trademarked. Oh, I'm not sure we're even oh, allowed to say it anymore. But you know, um, we've been pushed to the margins. They won't if we say be kind. Well, they don't see us as kind. They see us as as bigoted and all that kind of stuff. Well, may, maybe maybe we're not being kind. Keith. Maybe we aren't. And maybe, maybe we need to reclaim that. Well, I mean. Yeah, I mean, if you would ask most most Kiwis about the the, the church, uh, they would see us as being bigoted and and being opposed to everything that's that's progressive. So we we don't do this, we don't do that. We sh- we shout about this, and we're anti everything. But what do we stand for? I think we've 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 lost the ability to communicate that in a very in a very uh, recognisable way. And, and and so there is some some work to be done in this area. I, I, I'm sure. Okay, so if if you were a church pastor, church elder, influential person at church, or just a you know a, a seat warmer, and you're thinking, well, yeah, this is the, you're making some points here, lads. We really do need to step out into our community. We really do need to mobilise as uh, as believers and go out and make a difference in the community around us. What do you do? 
where do you start? What, what does it look like? What, you know, do you have to get your house in order first? Do you just go? Do you need to um, spend some time engaging with the community and building relationship? What does it look like to actually rectify the kind of issues that we're uh, that we're identifying here? Is you know we, we've got a number of partners in, in Western churches that are doing uh, fantastic stuff. The ones that I think are most effective are those that are engaging with the existing. They're partnering with the existing kind of agencies within the community, both financially and with personnel. And so rather than setting up our own preschool, let's get involved in a local preschool and get our people involved there and on the staff and the boards. And so I think, you know, there's, there's a lot more of that sort of stuff we can do. And, you know, that's that's the everyday ordinary people from the, the church just being commissioned and sent out. You know, one of the things I've, I've from experience, of have been involved in it quite a bit is is supporting like school teachers and and people of influence in our community and rather than getting them to teach in our Sunday schools is is supporting them in their ministry in the school where they go every day and and have to battle with with not just the kids and their parents but with with the uh, the pressure of society and in terms of some of the stuff that they're in a sense forced to teach or, or have to have to live with so so I think there's there's that kind of stuff I think we've got to be better at listening rather than just putting on a program and saying you know inviting a few people to that people that are lonely that are you know suffering mental health issues they're not going to respond to an invitation to come out to a to a church building or to a program how do we get to those people because I mean you know I, one, I, I, I mean, I guess you've got to know what to say to these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I guess there is potentially a need to to be upskilled. But how do you find those people in your community? Because they are, you know, perhaps a little reclusive yep. by definition. I was reading a book the other day, The Art of Being Neighbourly, and, and he has a fantastic little thing in there. He says, around you, there's probably eight or nine immediate neighbours. There's the two beside you, the two behind you, the two in front of you. That kind of thing. He says, find three things about each of those. Firstly, just get their names. Secondly, find out what they do, and then find out what their dream is. Now, if everybody in church just did those three things, we'd find virtually every one of those lonely, sad, depressed, housebound people. You know, and and so it's it's about it's about mobilising the whole the whole church. And one of the issues here is that most pastors see. I hope I don't get shot for this. Most pastors see the people sitting in their pews as a resource to resource them to do their ministry. We got to turn that around entirely. Where the pastor has to start seeing his role is to resource all those people in the in the pews, and to and to resource them out into their. Their community. What, what might that look like? I mean, you, you know, are you talking about sort of training, or are you talking about you know preaching from the pulpit? How do you resource those people to be effective in the community? Um, well, firstly, what what you teach them, um, you know, what you're saying on Sunday morning, what you expect from them, in terms of giving and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what percentage of the giving is going to four or five people in the church? Silence. 
Yeah, I, I would like to challenge all pastors to to stand up and, and answer that question in front of their congregation on no, Sunday. No, but, but but seriously, you know, we we have to put you know our resources into uh, our people that are out there and 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 helping them do what they feel they need to do in their, in, in in their little little community. So so it may be just you know giving resources to people to maybe sending our people away for specialized training uh, to to do some stuff. Um, Maybe suggesting to our our people that they that they do retrain or even funding them to retrain to to be able to to serve better in a in a local on a local community board so they become the chair of that board not just uh, you know. But you're talking here as well, if I, if I understand correctly, about a coordinated, strategic, thoughtful approach. This isn't just you know throw a whole bunch of ideas out. This is actually stop and think. Look at what the needs are, and then you know really be thoughtful about orienting the church towards meeting those needs. It's it's quite deliberate, isn't it? Oh, totally, it is. Um, and it's it's finding out the the dreams of our people in, in our in our pews and 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 and, and helping resource those dreams. It's not just about the pastor saying this is where we're going, guys, and it's all about him and his dream. So, what are the dreams of our people? And that will be a dozen things that. 20 different things in the community it won't be one thing in the church building or you know and I, and I think we if, we if we would Stephen to address the issue of how much resource we put into our technology and our music teams and our worship teams and all that kind of stuff when we turned all that outwards what would that look like let's let's do that for a moment let's cast the vision a little bit Kev if if you know, you, you're listening and you're in a position to put some of this into practice and you start re, really reorienting the church outwards. You start to say, we are going to make a difference in our community. We're going to figure out what their needs are. We're going to mobilize as, as a group and we're really going to make a difference. What might you expect to see? What might the church see happen as they do that? What what, what difference would it make? I, I think we would see our people start taking risks that they've not taken before. Uh, and I mean that's that's part of one of the issues we we face, of course, is that you know our whole culture is based around mitigating the risk, and and this is risky stuff we're talking about. I mean, you know, so so we're going to have to build resilience into them. You're uh, saying some of the out. things that we do may not work first time out. Yeah, we're going yeah. to try things, um, and some of them won't work, but that's okay. We've we've tried. It's really interesting. Right now, we're doing one up up where I where I am. One of a little connect group that we started. Uh, during COVID online, and we just just had a little brochure printed right now, and we're we're going to start delivering that around the area. Uh, we're we're you know just a small group of us, eight or nine of us, um, and we're saying to people, hey, if you're lonely, you want a coffee, give us a yell, and uh, and we're going to you know mobilise a few of our friends to hand out the brochures to people that they that they um, uh, that they know and, and just kind of spread the word out and we've got a phone number and people can ring us up and and, and we'll set up a coffee and, and just listen to their story now might be a complete flop maybe nobody will ring up but we'll, we'll have a go you know and uh, and it's, it's really cool it's exciting to be one of the stories from our partners that's really impacted me uh, you know over the last uh, few months has been a team in India that was facing a lot of local opposition, a lot of local persecution, uh, including from the local police. COVID hits, they mobilise to decide they're going to impact 4,000 families in their community. They, The whole team gets together, they make uh, masks to protect people from 20, COVID. 20,000 masks. 20,000 masks, 
And then all of a sudden the police are, you know, escorting them to, to go and hand these out and their whole uh, position, how they're viewed within the community is transformed. One has to think if that can happen in a place that is, you know, headlong embracing, re-embracing Hindu nationalism and, you know, becoming more and more opposed to Christianity, if, if one can see that in that context, surely, Kev, we could see a real turnaround of, of how the church is regarded, how the church is seen, the impact the church has in New Zealand and Australia and the UK and Canada, surely that's possible. Yeah, totally it is. But it, but it, it, it requires everybody to get involved in it. It's not just the pastors having meetings and all that kind of stuff. And, and that needs to continue happening. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not putting that down at all. I mean, it, you know, this, this needs to be, I mean, a voice needs to be heard at the top echelons of our society and, and pressure put on from the church and all that kind of stuff. But the, the, the real change will happen when all of our people are activated and, and um, and mobilized out. Now we've been saying this for years, but it's not happening. So why isn't it happening? <laughs> you know, it's like there's there's something that's blocking this, and uh, that's that's this the penny's not not dropping for some people. And and and, uh, and and our perception is that that the the outward focus is becoming more and more inward. Is yeah. it's diminishing this, this. And particularly as a result of COVID, I think. People yeah, we've, we've, we've turned inwards. We've become, you know, more concerned about ourselves and our own stuff and our own health. And Well, that's, that's the challenge, isn't it, Keith? Right. And, and if you're listening to this and, and this sparks any kind of recognition in you we would like to issue the challenge that do something about it and and you know, pray about it and read some of these passages and uh you know i know though we here at bright hope world are focused on the poorest of the poor in other parts of the world i think it'd be fair to say that we would both dearly love to see the church in new zealand really reclaim that space really become the the flag wavers for compassion and, and addressing poverty and you know, restoring and reconciling relationships, that would be an exciting thing to happen. And, and oh, I, absolutely. I personally believe there's no reason we could not see thousands added to our numbers that day like you, know, you see in yeah. Acts. The, the, the context is not that different. As long as we're willing to live a radical lifestyle. And, and it is a, it, it's more and more radical now than it's ever been. I mean, uh, because... You know, we've become so so wealthy. We've we've become so isolated. We've become so nuclear in the way we think about family and all that. We won't take any risks. And until we can get past that that whole thing, uh, you know, nothing is going to happen. We'll just you know, revert back to 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 the status quo and the default position, which is ah, well, too tough, too hard. I'll protect protect my stuff and my my family and. And that's it. But no, it's, it's, it's got to turn around. And and when it, when that does start happening, it will happen in our community. And before long, those who engage will find themselves in all sorts of places in the world, like we have and like we are. And uh, uh, yeah, and that's that's just so cool. Exactly. Well, there's the challenge, folks. Um, don't ignore it. Let it grow. Let it develop and, and give it uh, serious thought and prayer. But, uh, you know, look, we would love to hear as well from you as to if any of this stuff starts to uh, ferment away and, and influence your thinking, we would love to hear back from you. You can email us uh, podcast at brighthopeworld.com. We are on uh, Facebook as well. It's a great place to leave any comments or thoughts you have. 
Uh, if you disagree with anything that we've said, we really... Can't imagine, we, Fraser. Well, you never know. Maybe some of the stuff you've said, not me. Uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. We're, we're really keen to um, you know tease these things out and, and even refine our thinking. So do that via uh, email. And, and you know, if you have questions, comments, or thoughts, we'll read them out and uh, address them on a future podcast or, or via Facebook. Uh, but for now, we will draw this to a close. Uh, as you will be aware, our, our podcasts are coming out uh, every uh, fortnight and we'll continue to do that. Um, you can find out more about us at brighthopeworld.com. Uh, but for now, any final thoughts, Kev, that you want to leave the good folks with? No, I think I've done my dash on this one, Fraser. Yeah. You know, take the risk, step out, go for it. You know, Be reconcilers. Be reconcilers. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, thanks, folks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Uh, this has been uh, It Ain't That Simple Mate with Kevin Honore and me, Fraser Scott. We will catch you next time. Mm-hmm.